Greetings, listeners. We got a big one today. Glam rock legend Michael Monroe, formerly of Hanoi Rocks, is here. And he's got a new solo album right out right now that's called I Live Too Fast to Die Young. And it features his all-star band, including Sammy Yaffa, Steve Conte, Rick Jones, and Carl Rockfist. And uh, we're going to discuss the new album, plus all the shows he did with GNR. Uh, the pop star who wanted to produce Hanoi Rock's albums, or who they wanted to produce the albums, and also the song that Steve Stevens stole from him. All this and more coming right up. So let's just dive right in. A new album. It's exciting. It's called I Live Too Fast. To die young, I love that uh, title, and then so the title track is such a catchy sing-along chorus, and you got Slash to play on it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, he's such a cool guy. I mean, I great, great player, and yeah, I realized that he hasn't played on the past uh, five albums or four albums before, and I thought it would be cool to have him play on that song, and I sent it to him pretty close to the uh, finishing of the recording session, and uh, 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 we were already at mixing, and I, I thought, you know. Uh, close to mixing and then i said you know would you like to play solo on this track it's going to be the title track of my new album and just well he was really busy doing promotion and stuff so he had a new, his own album coming out so he said when did he need it by and i was just like well like like now <laughs> <laughs> but if not but if yes if he's too busy i understand of course so two days within two days we had the solo i was like thank you god bless you and a great solo it is too yeah, and it's like it, you can always tell when it's like it sounds like a slash solo. It's amazing. Oh yeah, so. signature sound. He has totally. It, has, it can't be anybody else. You can tell right away that it's him, and it's it's great because it's so uh, so off the cuff. It's, it's not like every note in place. It's just like it lives, and it's like human touch. You know, so yeah, he just like has that feel. It's like the soul. I I, I don't know. I think that's what makes him so great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So then the other song uh, that I, there's so many good songs that can't stop falling apart. Tell me about that one. Cause it's got a really catchy sing along. It almost sounds like a happy song, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's like, it's kind of dark. It's like, yeah, you know, can't stop falling apart. We all end up as dust. I mean, that's kind of like dark lyrics. Well, that's, that's one, well, that line is dark, but it's, yeah. it's pretty much about, it's an ode to our wives and our loved ones who, uh, who, uh, uh, kind of stuck by our sides through the years of uh, playing music and touring and being away for a long time and kind of, but, but musically it sounds like to me, it sounds like, uh, reminds me of like the top of the pops or, you know, the, that stomp glam stomper kind of thing. So, uh, it's, and it's a different type of song for, for this band also different from anything we've done before. Like many of the songs are new styles, but, uh, you know, we all thought, uh, that was a cool one to uh, to to have on the record. It's catchy, uh, and uh, yeah. So it's it's. I don't think it's that dark, but yeah, can't stop falling apart. Yeah, maybe it's just that line. You're right. You're right. Uh, what about um, the song "Peg in Prayer"? Now, the opening to that. Tell me if you noticed this. Like, I don't know if it was on purpose or just coincidental, but it kind of sounds like that song uh, "Got the Time" by Joe Jackson that Anthrax covered the bass part. I was like, when I listened, I thought. I thought I was listening to that song at first. And I was like, and then it goes into a totally different sound, but what is that? Anthrax. And uh, what was that song? Joe Jackson. Yeah. It's a Joe Jackson song. Got the time. Oh, I never heard that, but uh, Steve Conte, that's, that's the one, the only song that written by Steve Conte. That's on this album. Steve wrote that song, but uh, I am I'm curious to hear that Joe Jackson. And yeah. 
What's listen to that. Listen to that intro. It's just the intro part of the baseline. And I, it's really, it's close. I mean, sometimes that stuff just happens. It's called yeah. the time. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Anthrax have covered it too. Yeah, maybe. And that's what, I, I don't know. The Joe Jackson version might be sound different, but it sounded like the Anthrax cover at first. And I was like, I had to like do a double take and I was like, wait, is it? And then it totally went into a totally different sound. So oh, then I was like, okay, that makes sense. But I don't know. I don't think Steve has listened to Anthrax that much, but uh, <laughs> probably a coincidence, but no, uh, I know that there's only so many notes, right? Like, some of these like things where people say like, you stole our song and you're like, you listen and you're going, I don't think that, I mean, that doesn't sound anything like the original. So there's a lot of weird coincidences like that. I think uh, and when somebody was telling me some interviewer in, uh, in Germany was saying uh, that the murder, the summer of love, that middle section as that, the middle section was, da, 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 with the guitar part. And he says, it reminds him, him of uh, Ryan Adams summer of 69. And I was like, really? And then I kind of, I kind of know what he means, but it's, it, I mean, it's not the same melody at all. But then again, if it was, that's a cool connotation. I mean, it's a cool uh, connection because it's about uh, 1969. It's, it's the lyrics. So uh, that's only cool. If that's like a sub subliminal, sub some conscious, subconscious thing or whatever, but uh, yeah. No, but I can't. I mean, I know what he's saying, but I don't really. <laughs> but uh, right. So well, then that one things in different ways. Yeah. Hearing, you know. So that song is about getting off your ass and and living life to the fullest. That's that's a yeah. great great advice for people. Uh huh. That's right. This moment determines your future, your past, your, and the present. So uh, make the best out of it. Yeah. Uh, what about the song Anti-Socialite? The, I love the piano on that. It's it's really, it's kind of like, would you say it's like a ballad? But I love the lyric, stop the universe, we're headed nowhere. What what inspired that? That is, uh, that's one of my favorite lyrics. And uh, I was, uh, we were talking about how to do it. Because there's a danger of a song like that becoming too, like a corny power ballad. You know, we, we didn't yeah. want to go for that. And uh and Richard seems uh, wondering whether we should do it at all. And I said, oh, no, no, I, I love the lyric. It's, it's definitely we want to do that. But we used like John Lennon's Imagine was like the blueprint for the, uh, the how we're going to you know do the production and, and the, the arrangement. Keep it simple and small and very intimate kind of, you know, and, and and not not be this big drums or anything like that. And keep it very, very personal. And I had actually we got it to work and we keep kept it simple and uh there's hardly any drum fills when whenever rich does a fill it's also it's 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 shuffles like it's really cool and i had sung uh this was one of the most demanding songs to me uh so i did the vocal that was the first vocal i done i did and i had done a piano like a demo piano myself but we knew we were going to have this guy uh lenny Kaletaipole, who was a Finnish, fantastic piano player uh, incredibly talented i knew i was going to have him do the piano so after he did we did he did the piano over and i i, I had my first vocal there i had a gig uh one night in uh, a couple of hours from helsinki and you know we were staying in helsinki in the studio so I got back and uh, I went on pretty late. So I only slept two and a half hours the night before. And in the morning I got to the studio. I said, I want to try the vocal again because I, I know I can do it better. And Rich and Erno, the engineer, were like, oh, it's great. The vocal's great. What you have there is already great. And I said, yeah, I know, but I know I can do it better. Let me just give it a shot. And with that tired voice, it was just perfect for that song. So I I, I, I did one take and I was like, oh, that's great, man. So I resang the whole song in that moment with that tired voice. And that's the vocal that's on the record. And it's one of my favorite vocals on the record, actually. Uh, turned out really good. It was just perfectly, uh, not too raspy, but you know, it just it felt right for that song. So, uh, Interesting. Yeah, 
That's a cool strategy. So you kind of make it your voice a little tired to fit the song. I like that. Yeah, but it was. It just turned out that way. I I, I didn't plan it, and you yeah. can't plan on that. It's, it's kind of like you just had to. It just happened that way. And sometimes sleep deprivation works for the best. <laughs> you right. Yeah. You know. So the song "Everybody's Nobody." That's a, that's another cool one. Um, and that one is kind of about a lot of these bands that they didn't. They're like might be big locally, but maybe they never made it. But is there so, is, and you can't you don't want to say which bands these are specifically. I don't mention any names, but the, and then they say uh, we never really wanted to be big, you know, we're too too yeah. cool to be big, you know, and uh, and they kind of stuck on a certain time period. But I'm not. It's 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 a little bit sad too. And and that song I I sang it at first a bit sarcastically, and I realized that that's that's not the right right approach because it's also a little sad so i re-sang it uh not so not with not such a night attitude was, and uh it was better that way and yeah it was uh, it and it came out from a it, yeah it was an email between me and rich that's uh, you know got us to write the song i was uh, yeah i was talking about some band there was one band that we were supposed to do a double headline with in london i we were wondering I was wondering, do they really pull a crowd? I mean, you know, I remember them from the 80s and they were like just these local heroes. And and so Rich said, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that'll be good to play with them. So I said, OK. So everyone who's ever been nobody, all, all the London leaguers and all the hangers on are going to be there that night. Everyone who's ever been nobody is going to be there that night. <laughs> Rich, hey, man, that sounds like a song. Yeah, let's write it. <laughs> so we wrote that song. That was even before the pandemic. We wrote that in 2019 in the summer. And uh, yeah, it's like, kind of about letting go of the old good the good old days or the good old bad days a lot of artists are in a position to uh that they seem to be content to bask in a glow of nostalgia instead of moving forward and uh, and then there's references to leaving london and leaving new york and uh you know piccadilly goodbye piccadilly and leicester square and it was all along to the bowery and times square but yeah that's it's a and also a new uh point of view came to me about that that it can also be about your, your self-esteem because everybody has at least been no, and nobody. If, if nothing else, that's mm -hmm. an accomplishment in itself in life. So at least if nothing else, you, everybody's been a nobody. So <laughs> that's one, yeah. one way to look at it too. Right. That's true. Yeah. And, and then the song. Favorite, yeah. I'm one of my favorite songs on the record. Also the middle section is unpredictable. I had that middle section. I thought this will be a good, like a solo you know, musical section. And then Rich had an idea to, he actually, made the, the unexpected changes when it goes to a half a step down for the guitar after the harp thing. And then there's two more surprises in, in the middle section. I love that because uh, uh, Rich Rich had an idea because we've been talking about doing like stuff, trying out like the old Alice Cooper records are really like so unpredictable and so unique and, and, and you know, not not for the sake of being weird, but to be uh, not not to be weird, to be different, but just uh, something very uh, unique and then different. So that middle section is uh, has was inspired by the old Alice Cooper records to to be as it is now. But yeah, go ahead. You were going to say another song? Yeah, no, no, that's really cool. I love the variety with all the songs because you have like ballads, you have like punky, you have catchy, kind of poppy, and um. And, but I was going to say, yeah, the song "Young Drunks and Old Alcoholic." I feel like that's kind of related to that song, kind of about how these young bands were encouraged to party hard. But like eventually, like you say, you got to get your shit together because I, I noticed that when I interview a lot of these bands, it's like a lot of the same story where, oh, yeah, we partied too hard. And now, you know, now they go they go the other way. They're like dead sober. Right. Yeah, that's boring, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you want to be somewhere in the middle? Is that the ideal then? 
you know, you do your own thing and find your own, do your own thing. And it's, uh, but if you're going to start, you know, base it on being, getting out of it and partying and all that superficial stuff. And some, you know, a lot of people think that's what rock and roll is about. Yeah, dude, we're so out of it. And it's ridiculous. And then it catches up with you and then you end up, uh, you know a hopeless junkie or alcoholic and all by yourself and you know but nowadays everyone's i mean no one wants to no one wants to put up with that anymore and that's why you know you better be there's too much competition i think also so people are keeping their shit together and of course it's better that way uh than uh getting out of it all the time and so but then if it's like one extreme to the other it's like oh well so you know it's it gets everything that's predictable gets boring after a while and but you know different different uh strokes for different folks people can uh as long as everybody has their own thing and musically i think people are making more people bands had more personality before like in the 60s 70s uh in even in the early 80s because music was made for music's sake and not not for uh not not uh because the business, uh, there was no categories. There were like no, uh, you know, genres like heavy metal or, or grunge or whatever, you know. And, and the music, the industry, of course, loves to put labels on things so they can market this uh, This market. This is the latest, the newest thing, you know, grunge or heavy metal or whatever. But I think their genres are unnecessary. I think in the past, nobody thought about that. We didn't think how how we're going to market this. We just thought, of, you know, it's going to sound cool. It's going to be a good song or, you know. So that's why people have more personality. It's not really nostalgia looking back and saying, oh, things were better before. They were because they were music was made for the right reasons. And then later on, it became more about the business. And, you know, here comes grunge. I mean, Nirvana, great band. Then, then, then there's like 200,000 bands trying to sound like them, thinking that they're going to get successful because they were. And then I'm going to sound as good as the original but they're still going to sound the same and that's kind of boring. So that's why the industry has uh, the marketing and all that, that music. That's why I would say the music has no business in the music business. And almost, you know, it's, it's become so much about the business and you can tell in the music, it hasn't gotten much better over the years. Right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You bring up Nirvana and um, cause obviously your influence on guns and roses, but I didn't know that you're an influence on, uh, like Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters and Alice in Chains and all these Seattle bands too were really big fans of you guys as well. I didn't either. Yeah, it was a, that was <laughs> a nice surprise. And even uh, you know, I was uh, 2010. I went to me and Rich were uh, there's this Finnish festival we played and and Slipknot was the head headline uh, playing it later that night and we went to see the show and uh, I was interested in seeing it, curious and then. The guy with the long nose, he comes up to me. It's like, oh, you, it's your fault. I'm doing this. I was like, what, what, what? He looks so dangerous. I thought it was oh, <laughs> It's like, man, you know, it's your fault I'm doing this, man. Because I was into, uh, my first album I got was uh, Back to Mr. City, Hanoi Rocks. And then he pulled uh, Corey Taylor. He says, hey, look who's here. And they're like, oh, wow. They're like really into, you know, they're like fans. So I was like, wow. And the music that they play is so yeah. different from Hanoi, which that, that's always the greatest when you see bands like that and they, and it turns out they, you were one of their influences. It's like fantastic because they totally have their own thing. And you yeah. can never imagine that, that from based on that music, that it, it would be, you know, one of their influences would be Hanoi. I was like, wow, that's great. Well, yeah. And for you too, cause you really loved, I thought this was interesting. You guys loved Prince and you actually asked him to uh, produce the uh, Hanoi rocks album. Yeah. I, I, I liked the 1999 album. I really loved uh, when it came out and, uh, 
Uh, and Purple Rain too was cool. But yeah. I mean, yeah, back in '99 was out, and we were doing, we were recording uh, back to Mystery City. We were starting to record it, and so I, I said, wouldn't it be cool to have Prince produce us and see what happened, what came out of that? That could have been great. So our, our management, yeah, they asked uh, Prince, and uh, Prince's answer was, uh, I don't produce no white boys. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. It's funny though. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess white, white girls, it was okay then, I guess. Oh. <laughs> later on. <laughs> yeah. So you just recently did some shows with Guns N' Roses, and I was looking at the set list, and I was like, oh, they had to do Ain't It Fun with Axel. And you guys didn't do that, right? Oh, no, no. We we had a – I mean, we, we did our own uh, half an hour set, but uh, we didn't end up jamming with the Guns N' Roses. Uh, they were uh, – we didn't have a chance to even see before. I mean, I, 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 I saw Slash after the second night, you know, I hung out with him. We didn't have, have a chance to get together. Even this. And, and the first night was canceled. Uh, I mean, it wasn't canceled, but the first night, our show, they played, um, uh, we were on Friday and Saturday. So Friday, we were ready to start. 4.30 was our slot, half an hour slot. And then they, the doors were closed uh, until like 5.15 for some reason. And uh, we missed our slot. So we only played that one show. Oh shit! And then Axel canceled some shows. Problems with his voice or something? Is he everything okay? That was that's probably the reason because maybe yeah. they weren't they weren't sure that the show was going to be going on, so they didn't want to open the doors until they knew that Guns N' Roses was going to play. I think that might have been. We never got a clear explanation why, but I think that must have been a reason because then Saturday we played, you know, as as planned. We we opened for them, and uh, then the next day in Glasgow, I heard that the show was canceled. So I'm glad we got to play the one show, at least. So, uh, so there was no time to see or plan any 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 guests. So that would have been a cool thing, though. Yeah, any fun. Yeah, because I've never heard them do that song live, and you're there. You could they just bring you up on stage like you're already there. That would have been amazing. Well, hopefully next time, maybe you never know. Yeah, that would be great. So, be cool yeah, to with those guys it would be fantastic. Yeah, do like a full, you should come on the U.S. tour. That'd be amazing because I'm in the U.S. over here. So it'd be fun. I know you say that it's too expensive to tour the U.S., but if you're opening for Guns N' Roses, I think they could foot the bill, cool. right? Yeah, unless you're opening for a big band like that, then it would yeah. make sense. So I would even, that's worth even investing in because playing, opening for, have, getting the visibility, the exposure, opening for a big band like that, that would make sense to tour in the States. Uh, I'm saying that going under little clubs, for me to for us to start playing little clubs in in America, you know, it will be you just lose money and you don't get anywhere. It's like you can right. do it for three years and nobody will notice. You know, such a big big area. So to get to open for a stadium sized band, that would be the the only only way to go if that would happen. You know, so uh, let's hope for that. To have, hopefully, that'll happen someday. You know, that'd be amazing. Yeah. So you've got you've also got besides this new album that's out now, um, you've got a documentary coming out about you called until the yeah, music ends year. yeah 2023 uh there'll be a documentary movie about michael monroe yes about me and uh it's a it's it's gonna be uh in-depth uh look at who and what i am and uh not just a listing of my achievements and stuff you know it's it's a, it's beginning a bit deeper into my personality and this uh from where where i came from and where we started with hanoi and everything it's going to be a special one. So it's going to be like a movie. It's going to go in movie theaters at first. And, and, uh, uh kind of uh, the guy who's making it now, is has got a good vision, really good vision. And, and I think, uh, it'll be more like a movie that will be interesting to anybody who's, even if you're not into me or rock and roll, it'd still be an interesting story because it is, it's very different. So, uh, that's coming out next year. And, and a biography is, too. 
yeah, autobiography, the book also. Yeah, that's uh, now it looks like we're finally going to get it translated. So uh, that'll be, uh, I don't know if it's next year, as soon as it's done, uh, hopefully next year, probably, probably next year too. Yeah, it looks like it now. Uh, and uh, the Demolition 23 album is going to be coming out on, uh, we're going to be released finally. Uh, it's been out of print for so long and uh, for the first time ever on vinyl and CD. CD it came out on CD before, but uh, it's never been out on vinyl. Little, little Steve is putting it out in his Wicked Cool label. And uh, it's got three bonus tracks, three demo songs of uh, Dysfunctional, Scum Lives On, and Hammersmith Palais that we recorded in before this. we went to the studio. Uh, and uh, artwork done by Rich Jones, and I uh, dug out some old photos and everything. It's, it's a nice package. And, uh, uh, so and it's remastered. It's sounding sounding better than before. It's got more drums and more beef, and really really cool. Plus, uh, we have re remixed the uh, Hanoi Rocks uh, Oriental Beat album, the second album that was a horrible mix originally, and that was mm. and then the tapes were thought to have been lost uh, for all these years. But I relocated them a couple of years ago, and so that has been re remixed, and uh, it's the uh, coming out in uh, November this year too so a lot of cool okay. stuff and the jerusalem slim is that is that album coming out back too? the remastered N no i never heard of that hopefully not because it's a, <laughs> the, worst, the worst thing that ever came out where that i was involved in <laughs> it, so wait is it true real quick though i know you got to get going here but so vince neal stole the song can't have your cake that was your song originally no, no, wait, 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 wait. no vince neal didn't steal the song it was, or steve stevens steve took it to vince neal is that what happened the song that I, I wrote with Steve Stevens and he took the song to Vince Neil and uh, and used this part of the lyrics. I mean, the title of um, it had the title Can't Have Your Cake and Eat It Too was the was the lyrics in the, in the in the chorus. It was called originally it was called Downwardly Mobile and the lyrics were much cooler and smarter. But uh, <laughs> oh, they, they made a they made a version. Then when Steve left me with a big huge bag of shit and then bailed on the project that ended up being Jerusalem Slim, and unfortunately the record label released the album, which was a long story. But in any way, any any yeah. case, uh, Steve disappeared. He didn't say anything. He just vanished. And then the next thing I knew was I saw him on uh, playing with Vince Neil on uh, some MTV awards, and uh, he was playing on a Vince Neil solo album. And then I found out that the song uh, uh, can have you. It was called "Can Have Your Cake," and it's on the on there. And uh, it's the same chorus, you know. Uh, so he took the song and eliminated me from the writing credits and put it written by Steve Stevens and Vince Neil. But he done the same thing. He did the same thing to um, um, Phil Susan, who was playing the bass apparently uh, on that in a project. He was trying to put his songs in in his own name too. So. Uh, Apparently, uh, it's been known to happen with him, but uh, you know, Vince Neil didn't. He probably, Vince probably may, may have not even known about that song being. Probably Steve never probably even told him that we wrote that first. It was written with, uh, written by me and him. So it was just a coincidence. Um, but uh, yeah, can't blame Vince Neil for doing that. It was, it was Steve Stevens who did that. But you know, that's a that's another thing. That was ages ago. So yeah. You don't seem to be worried about. It. You didn't try to sue him or anything like that. You didn't care. No, but what what the thing was, uh, the my label. I mean, I was signed to Polygram Records, and I my publishing as well as merchandising as everything. And and they they didn't do anything for my. You know, what, what's the point of being signed to them if you don't? I mean, sure they can give you an advance, but that's then you have to earn that back and everything. So I wasn't really 
they were supposed to get your music to, to movies and stuff. And they never yeah. did nothing like that. So I was just like, and they took 50% of everything, you know, my publishing, 50%. And wow. then, Steve, and when I was working with Steve, Steve, Steve says, well, he used to have this 50, 50 thing with Billy Idol, no matter who, who right. He, he has to have 50% of all the songs. I said, what are you talking about? You know, if I write with someone else, you can, you, you know, we go three ways. So it's like, well, you know, that's the way I used to have it. And all this, I was like, this is ridiculous. The record label takes 50% and the Steve Steve's was 50% of a song. And I, I get left with nothing. I, I mean, you can't, how, how do you know how you're going to write a song? If you write it with someone else, like what the hell? So in any case, so I said, I told the label, I said, well, now if you want to make some money, here's a case. I have the original demo and here's a song that they did and they ripped, ripped off. And now that you own my half of my publishing, why don't you go after this? They did nothing. Hmm. So no, that, uh, was, that was typical. It's like no point getting signed to a major label and also putting your all eggs in one basket, meaning they, they get to buy the balls thing. You get, yeah. they get, they even had my merchandising. So I, I wow. had to. You know, the, that was when I was recording, not faking it. This, I needed more money in a, in a budget. And they said, okay, well, here, sign a merchandise deal. Okay, well, sign a publishing, you know. So by the, finally, they got me by the balls. So it wasn't, wasn't a good thing. So after that album, I had to get rid of the, I, got, I had to get dropped off the label. It took about a year until I, they set me free. And I, luckily they dropped me and uh, I could get on, get on with my life again, you know, my career. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Well, can you try to get these songs into movies and music? Because I know, like, I just saw the, uh, Master of Puppets by Metallica got 17 million downloads because it was in Stranger Things. So it's like it seems, it seems like that's the way to get your music out there. Yeah, and uh, James Gunn is a big fan. Is uh, uh, the Hanoi Rocks thing on uh, the Peacemaker? Did you hear about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's one of the biggest series in the world. So Hanoi gets nice recognition that way. And uh, I sent him my new album too. And I hope let's <laughs> hope he takes some of that for the next season or something. I don't know. But in any case, uh, it's a great way to get um, get uh, attention to Hanoi. Yeah, the, absolutely. Uh, and well, only making uh, we never wore spandex. That's what one <laughs> 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 detail, yeah. minor detail. It's only the the, the, the copycat bands that uh, wore spandex. We never wore spandex, vinyl, uh, leather, and uh, you know PVC or whatever. But never wore spandex. Just the spandex the sounds seems uncomfortable to to wear that on stage. I don't know. Yeah, and it looks funny <laughs> yeah well thank you so much for doing this you got a great new album out everyone should get it um is there a charity that you like to work with or you want to promote here at the end oh animals i, I also want to help animals if anything okay. uh, so uh but there's nothing going on right now but that i'm involved with but i have been involved helping animals and uh all the needy anybody who needs uh, help all the uh, uh, you know underdogs of the world yeah okay <laughs> Cool. I'll put something in the notes. Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. I hope to see see you guys on tour. If not in the U.S., I guess I gotta fly over to Europe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got a, the 60th birthday uh, celebration concert is on uh, September 23rd in uh, Helsinki Ice Hall. We're gonna come to Finland and come to see a, a memorable show. It's gonna be something special. Okay, that sounds fun. I gotta save up. All right. Thanks All right. so much, Michael. Thank you. Good right. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wow, lots of great stuff from Michael Monroe. Make sure to check out the new album, I Live Too Fast to Die Young, and watch for his upcoming projects. Please support our guests by following them on social media, buying their merch, and or going to see a show. If you enjoyed this interview, check out some of my other episodes. Tons of musicians of this type have been on the show. Too many to list, but uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen or watch and uh, follow the show on social media so you don't miss any future episodes. 
Thanks for listening. Have a great day and shoot for the moon.